Well, hello everybody. Welcome to another episode of Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code and all things electrically related. My name is Paul Abernathy. I'm your host today. And on today's episode, we're going to talk something we, we probably hasn't talked about in, a, in ever, right? And that we're going to talk about marinas and boatyards. But we're going to talk about the changes that took place between the 2014 National Electrical Code and the 2017. They were quite significant. Uh, and so uh, not significant in the volume of changes, uh, but significant in the the intent of this article, so that it could, you know, there was this little area in there where people said something applied, didn't apply, you know, and so we want to make it clear that the 17 code kind of cleared up this this application and and, and really got rid of the um, some some confusion that was there. Plus, it kind of totally changed it to now require compliance with Article 555, whereas in a certain type of occupancy, for example, it didn't apply in the 2014 code. Okay, so let's kind of look at that. So I guess we start our journey by looking at the 2014 code. Now, Article 555 under the 2014 code just said marinas and boatyards. That's all it said. All right, well, okay. Didn't really say anything about docks except for it says it in the scope about docks, but it just said marinas and boatyards, and it's pretty pretty general. Uh, first off the bat, I guess the, the, the thing is to say when we're looking at the, the code, what significantly changed in the 2017 code versus the way it was written uh, in the previous cycle, right? Well, first and foremost, we got to look at the title of the article. Because that was a significant change. Alright. So in the 2017 code, again, a 14 code, it just said marinas and boatyards. And the 2017 code, it now says marinas, boatyards, and commercial and non-commercial docking facilities. Now you could say you don't have a boat, but if you've got a dock, then potentially something could dock at it. Okay, you can call it a pier all you want, but inside the scope, it makes reference to the words. So it is what it is. It's it's a fixed or a floating pier, whatever. It's going to compass all of that. So we have the change to the article. And the other significant change in that is if you look at the scope in the 2014 edition, it had that last paragraph stated, private non-commercial docking facilities constructed or occupied for the use of the owner or residents of the associated single-family dwelling are not covered by this article. Okay. Well, if it wasn't covered by this article, what was covering it? Well, we have our 210.8B applications. We have our 210.8A applications when it comes to GFCI protection and all that kind of thing. But this specifically removed the application of where we're going to have some kind of of guidance when it comes to Article 555 in the 2014 edition. So in the 2017 edition, one thing that most people will notice is not only that title change, but is what it says in the scope. Now in the scope, and I'm going to read you the scope of this because uh, there is a difference between the 2014 scope, I'll read it, and then I'll read you the 2017 scope, and you can clearly see the difference. 
Okay, so under the 14 scope, it says, this article covers the installation of wiring and equipment in the areas comprising fixed or floating piers, wharves, docks, and other areas in marinas, boatyards, boat basins, boathouses, uh, yacht clubs, boat condominiums, uh, docking facilities associated with residential condominiums, uh, any multiple docking facilities or similar occupancies, uh, and facilities that are used or intended for use for the purpose of repair, berthing, launching, um, storage, or fueling of small craft and or moorage of floating buildings. Okay? And then it had that last uh, sentence that said, like I just said, private non-commercial docking facilities constructed or occupied for the use of an owner or resident of a single-family dwellings are not covered by this article. Well, what were they covered by? But anyway... That's what it read. Now, if you speed forward to the 2017 code, listen to what's here now. It says, this article, and we're in 551.1, the scope. It says, this article covers the installation of wiring and equipment in areas comprising of fixed or floating piers, wharves, docks, and other areas in marinas, boat, uh, boat yards, uh, boat basins, boat houses, uh, yacht clubs, boat condominiums, uh, docking facilities associated with, now check us out, one-family dwellings, two-family dwellings, and multi-family dwellings, and residential condominiums, any multiple docking facilities or similar occupancies and facilities that are used or intended for use for the purpose of repair, berthing, launching, nothing changed there. What they removed was that last part that gave you that out, if you will, for one-family dwellings. Uh, and now it is required to be able to have compliance to 555. So that is a significant change from the 2014 to now where we have guidance in the 2017 code, even for those piers or boat docks for one-family dwellings, two-family dwellings, and multi-family dwellings. Because all the other were still there. And remove that little statement in there. Okay, That was a significant change now because we are now giving the uh, owner of the residence that extra level of protection by giving them some rules they have to follow in Article 555. Okay, Now, one of the other significant changes is in 555.3 dealing with ground fault protection. Now, when you look at the 2014 code, Here's what it said. It says the main overcurrent protected device that actually feeds the marina shall have ground fault protection not exceeding 100 milliamps. Okay? Ground fault protection of each individual branch circuit of feeder shall be permitted as a suitable substitute. So I can actually have it in the branch circuits or feeders independently. We're talking about the, the 100 milliamps at the over, main overcurrent protected device that's actually feeding the marina itself. Okay, having that ground fault protection that's not exceeding 100 milliamps. Okay, that's the GFP. Okay, so that was a requirement that had that 100 milliamp ceiling, if you will. Okay, well, despite the fact that there wasn't a lot of the devices that probably went that high, or their cost was prohibitive, or the manufacturers got involved. At this point, obviously, it could be less, and the predominant use by most people was to use something that was probably in the 30 milliamp range uh, for this, um, but there really was a, a, a change that took place in the 2014 code, I mean, in the 2017 code. Now, in the 2017 code, this is how it reads now. It reads, all right, we're still at 555.3. 
It says the ground fault protection. It says the overcurrent protective device that supply the marina, boatyards, and commercial and non-commercial docking facilities. A lot more language there. Shall have ground fault protection not exceeding 30 milliamps. Now, now that's a big difference when it comes to that, whether or not it was available or not, or whether it put the people that were installing these things in, a, in an awkward bind. There is a difference because it just talked about feeding a marina in 555.3 under the 2014 code, but it really didn't expand into these other applications, whereas in the 2017 code, it's not limiting itself to a marina. It's saying, oh, wait a minute. This is also going to apply to boatyards because I could have a boatyard that's not a marina. Okay, Obviously, non-commercial docking facilities is not a marina. Okay, So you, you, you had to explain it. So not only do we kind of lower the ceiling for the milliamp application uh, for the GFP, but what we've also done here is incorporated all those other areas in order to bring in that ground fault protection. Okay, That's what we've done there. Okay, so the significance here is we did remove that application for individual branch or feeder to be deleted because the new rule now kind of changed it a little bit. It got rid of the thing where it said the main overcurrent protective device. Okay, now it just basically says the overcurrent protective devices that supply the marina, boatyard, and commercial. So intuitively, this is GFP now. Intuitively, all of that protection is not going to exceed 30 milliamp. Okay, so that was a significant, significant change there. Okay, now other additional information that I can give you is that many people believe that it should always be a class A device, which is four to six milliamps. But a lot of the applications that we're dealing with, with these marinas, all of this stuff is, is based on documents that came out of NFPA's uh, research foundation uh, and, and it also is a report that was actually conducted by the American Boat and Yacht Council uh, and they, they determined that a lot of the, the applications of the leakage that were coming out of uh, the maximum leakage that's allowed for these some of these um, uh, pieces of equipment that deal with the water all right, uh, based on the standard was the watercraft, that's the ELCI, the Equipment Leakage Circuit Interrupters, uh, required 30 milliamp equipment ELCIs on these watercrafts. So, um, you know, the boats aren't really subject to the NEC, we get that. Uh, but, okay, boats are connected to electrical branch circuits that are actually governed by the NEC. So, there again, there will be many people that think it should be the Class A type of devices. Well, We'll have to let the marina industry dictate this. Um, they feel that the 30 milliamp value is sufficient, that they don't believe that all the current's going to be traveling through the water. Obviously, 30 milliamps is more than enough to cause damage to somebody. But because they don't believe that that's going to be the only paths and everything that's involved, um, they've determined that 30 milliamps values is is the part that you would need. And it, it removes any potential nuisance tripping that you would have uh, from some of this equipment, which is inherent nature of the equipment. So that's what they've came up with. All right. So any rate, it's been lowered from a thousand million, a hundred milliamps down to 30 milliamps. Okay. And the individual application 
has been removed as well because now all supply. Now, do you if you want to put it on 15 or 20 amp, and that's a different okay than what we're talking about for as far as 15 and 20 amp receptacles. That 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 didn't change. 555.19b1 didn't change. Okay, so don't get lost up with this. That's GFCI protection. This is GFP protection. Okay, and it's required to on all overcurrent protected devices. So you've got the receptacle requirements, and you have the GFP requirements that are here in 555. So don't get confused. Let's remember the main issue here was that we dropped it from 100 milliamps to 30 milliamps for the GFP ground fault protection component. Okay. All right. That brings us actually to another change in 555.19b1. That's GFCI protection for personnel. Okay. So in so. One of the key things here is that they got rid of the phrase. There was a phrase that was in the 2014 that is no longer in the 2017. And that is talking about when you're dealing with other than shore power. So these are receptacles that are there for protection for whatever needs. It would be for like for boat houses and buildings or structures used for storage, maintenance, or repair, those type of things. In these applications here... um, it used to say electrodiagnostic equipment, electrical hand tools, and portable lighting equipment it is being used. And so it only limited it to that application. And it's really, it was irrelevant. It, there's a risk with all the receptacles that are in this application for other than shore power where GFCI uh, protection is required. So for 15 and 20 ampere single phase, 125 volt receptacles located outdoors, in boathouses, in buildings or structures used for storage, maintenance, or repair... Um, and, it, and it got rid of the part about the portable hand tools because it's irrelevant. The risk is still there whether you're using Somebody could argue, well, I'm not using it for portable hand tools or for diagnostic equipment or for portable lighting or maybe whatever it is, the risk was still there. So they got rid of that. Okay, so it, it's irrelevant at this point. Uh, what it is, is regardless of the intended use that you're going to have to have the GFCI re- requirements for those 15 to 28 receptacles in that location. Okay, so that was a significant change when it comes to that for the receptacles now it's no you know that's important because we did this in a previous cycle when it came to working in commercial garages and things like that got rid of that diagnostic issue and and so now we're kind of going through the code and removing it here it's still the use of it doesn't matter what it's for it's there for use it's 15 to 20 amp other than shore power it's for the maintenance hooking up cleaning repair whatever it is uh, then it, those receptacles, 15 or 20 amp, have to be uh, GFCI protected. And that's a big difference than what we were talking about with GFP protection on the feeder or whatnot's coming down, okay? Or it might be a branch circuit coming down to su- supply the boat itself, okay, as shore power. All right, so that's good. So next thing we have change is to 555.24, okay, for those marinas and boat yards, et cetera, that you're dealing with. We have a change here when it comes to the signage requirement. All right, so this looks should look drastically something you're not familiar with when it comes to the boat yards and marina signage because it didn't exist in the 2014. You had to go back and use 600 or maybe even had to use some of the aspects of 680 in order to get you to this application or something to get you here. Well, in the 2017 code, we have an application here uh, where we're dealing with it, and it is... Uh, 555.24 and it's new and you'll notice that to the left column 
of 555.24. It has a little N. That tells you this is all brand new. Okay, so it now says permanent safety signs shall be installed to give notice of electrical shock hazard risks to persons using or swimming near a boat dock or marina and shall comply with all of the following. So the signage shall comply with 110.21B1 and be of sufficient durability to withstand the environment. Of course, we all hopefully by now are familiar with 110.21B1, which is the field applied hazard markings. It's just the marking shall warn of the hazards using effective words, color, symbols, or any combination thereof. And of course, it gives an informational note that kind of gives us direction to the ANSI Z535 document, uh, which kind of tells us the the color scheme, font sizes, and symbols, and all this kind of stuff, okay? So, I mean, we get that kind of direction. So, we are familiar that we have to be you know, at least compliant to that nature when it comes to it, okay? So, once we establish that, then we've got these these other criteria here. So, item number two says, okay, we got the signage, has to have the, pro- the proper warning all in accordance with 110.21B1, uh, durability, it's outside, salt water, wherever it is, whatever the location, it's got to be durable to be able to, main, to, be able to stay there and, and, and due to the elements or whatever condition of use it is. Uh, two says the sign shall be clearly visible from all approaches to a marina or boatyard facility. So you've got to really think about the traffic pattern or how these boats come in or most notably the people that are coming down to use these facilities um, have to be able to see it. And then lastly, item three, it says, this sign shall state, and it's got language. It says, warning, potential shock hazard. Electrical currents may be present in the water. Okay. So you have to have this specific type of wording on it uh, in order to be able to to let people know that there is that potential risk. Most notably where you're going to have all of your your power and, and things like that. Okay. And this applies broadly. The new sign requirement, you know, again, there was no requirement in the 14 code, but we do have this this requirement, and it has been an elevated level of people uh, getting injured around these uh, boat docks and marina applications. Okay, now in 2014, I can't remember what month, but NFPA actually released some uh, assessment of voltage and current in marinas, boat yards, and, and floating buildings, and they did an assessment. And uh, they just want to help prevent additional injuries in these areas based on that assessment. Okay, so this is just some some good guidelines. NFPA also has a document, NFPA 303, uh, that gives some good information uh, as well. Okay, and so all of this goes a long way, tying it into the rule we just saw for 555.3 for the GFP protection and dropping it from 100 milliamps down to 30 uh, as the ceiling. Uh, and of course, also because of all of our GFCI requirements for dealing with receptacles other than shore power, the 15 and 20 amp receptacles that are 125 volts, those receptacles having to be GFCI protected in 555.19B1, all of this together uh, is going to give us a little bit better safety parameters, and, and that's what we're hoping for. That, that's all we can shoot for is to make these things just a, a little safer. Okay, that's that's what we're going for. All right. So anyway, that's kind of the more significant changes uh, that we're dealing with. 
when it comes to 555. Hopefully you got something out of that. Uh, this was a short one, uh, not too long. But that's kind of the significant changes to 555. It's now going to apply to those one and two families and those multifamilies, those peers, those docks. We have some guidance now. The, the 100 milliamp used to be for the main overcurrent device. Now it's all overcurrent devices that are supplying these docks, peers, or whatever. Can't exceed 30 milliamps for the GFP. And, of course, um, you do still have your other than shore power type of receptacles for servicing, maintenance, uh, whatever needs there at the location of the dock or the pier or whatever that are 15 and 20 amp, 125 volt are going to uh, still require GFCI protection. That's the four to six milliamp threshold. Um, Based on studies, and we hope they're accurate for the sake of all the people that are enjoying uh, these uh, boat marinas and swimming areas uh, that are dealing with, uh, you know, uh, peers and whatnot, and one and two family, you know, applications. Hopefully, they are going to be a little bit safer in the 2017 NEC. Now, if you're a jurisdiction that hasn't adopted 2017 yet to get these changes, uh, this is an example where I probably would be very fond of what's called a a code mod and allow a jurisdiction to adopt a more recent code if it makes sense. So, if you're on the 2011 or 2014, uh, I would write in the allowance to the provisions that are here in the 2017 code under Article 555 because they are significant. Um, and it, we're really, we're just trying to save lives here. That's the thing, right? So anyway, that's our podcast today dealing with Article 555 and really the, the significant changes. To be honest with you, those are the only changes <laughs> when it comes to it. So as always, thanks for listening. God bless. If you want to listen to more of our podcast, visit our website at masterthenec.com or visit electricalcodeacademy.com. It's all one word. Um, of course, it's also available on .net and .org and whatever. Uh, uh, if you want to join our Facebook pages, just go to the to our website. At the top of the screen, there's a button you click on, and it'll go to our Facebook. Or you can just go to Facebook and search for Master the NEC. Uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. Just search for Paul Abernathy. You'll know who I am. I'm a little fat ball guy that's on the screen. Um, if you want to listen to our Twitter feeds or, or watch our Twitter feeds, then just it's at the at symbol Master the NEC. Um, if you want information on becoming a certified master electrical co-professional and taking your game to the next level if you're a master electrician or equivalent, uh, then visit mycmecp.com and learn about that program. It's a neat program. Um, that is not free, um, and but you get a lot out of it. And um, I encourage you to check it out if you want to. If you're just kind of stagnant, you're like, okay, I got my license, my master's license. What's left? Do I just stop learning? No. Well, based on the responses I get to a lot of the questions I post on LinkedIn and other areas where people get things wrong, and they are master electricians or engineers, I think you need to continue your education. I know that I continue learning every day. I try to learn something new every day. So you should too, because you know what? I forget things, and we have to rehash it. There's no problem with re-going over stuff we think we already know. Just kind of learn it a little better, right? Anyway. Stay safe, my friends. Until next time, God bless. And uh, visit us on all those social medias and our websites. And, and thanks for listening and all the great emails and, and text messages I get for people that have passed their exams. I mean, it, it literally runs into the thousands. Um, again, it should not cost you a fortune to learn the National Electrical Code. And that's my whole concept. That's my whole mission. Yes, do I give away almost everything? Yeah. But if I can help you get your license or I can help you better understand it or make you more efficient out in the field... That's what I'm all about. I can't teach you the hands-on stuff. 
I'm hoping you're learning that in the field. But I can increase your knowledge on how to put that hand stuff to good use and not have to do it more than once because you get it wrong based on the NEC. All right. Till next time, stay safe and God bless.